He's good in every circumstance. He's good in every season. So let's stand. Let's worship. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, God. Thank you that we have the privilege to come before you. Let's worship the King.
theology in it. You know, anyway, okay, sorry. Uh, welcome to Discovery, everyone. If you don't know me, my name is Donna. I'm on staff here with Discovery, and I'm very passionate about connecting with you, connecting you to others um, in any way possible. So. Uh, I'm just happy to, that you're all here. If you are new with us, we are so thankful, so grateful to have you. We hope you feel welcome. Um, and yeah, so thank you for coming. You guys should have received uh, a, what is this called? A bulletin. Yes, a bulletin. And inside of it has two cards today, you might have noticed. If you didn't notice, or if you didn't get one, please make sure you go over there and get one. Um, inside is two cards. The first one is the connection card. Whether you've been here a hundred times or this is your first time, we would love for you to fill this out. You can use it to let us know that you're here. You can use it to tell us if we can get you some information about anything that we do. Um, and you also can use it for prayer requests. We love to pray for our church. We have a team of people that pray. Um, and so even, please make sure you use this to, to let us know how we can pray for you and how we can serve you. You. The second one is, if you didn't know, um, we call this Recruitment Sunday. Um, today is the day that we are, yeah, <laughs> we would love to have people uh, who would be willing to just step in and volunteer in different ways. Um, at Discovery, we don't just see volunteers as bodies that are filling a job to get done. You're not just like cogs in a wheel. Um, you are people, and we, we work together in teams. We see our teams as places for connecting with new members, connecting with new believers. Um, we see it as a place to disciple and mentor each other, um, growing together in faith. We pray for one another. Um, and, and then finally, we also just, we care for one another as we work side by side. If you haven't had the um, opportunity to serve, it's just, it's more than just doing a job. It actually, it, it matters. It's part of becoming part of the church and serving the church is just a really powerful way to live out our faith. But it's also the smallest thing can help someone come to faith. And so um, any, any amount that you're willing to help is um, really helpful for us and also just a chance for us to help love on you as well. Um, so essentially, our teams offer a chance for real spiritual community where we can do life together. Um, today, after the service, our team leads will be downstairs ready to chat and help you take some simple steps um, into this kind of community. So take this card with you, fill it out. It's the one with the orange and blue on the top. Um, orange on one side, or is that yellow? I don't know. My husband says I can't do colors. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Um, but so you're going to use this card. Um, and then if you want, you can go to each table. It's going to have some labels assigned to it. Um, but first, so you're gonna, let me show you who you're going to meet, because that might be helpful. Um, we have our setup and teardown team. Um, downstairs, there will be tables afterwards where you can meet the leads. So is Tad in here? Problem is, some of our leads are not in here. But Tad, uh, who's often... Oh, here he's coming. He's coming. This is Tad running in the front door. Oh, there he is. Oh, you don't have to get on stage, but that's cool. Come on. Come on over, Tad. Uh, hey. So, oh, yeah, we didn't tell them that we were going to do this. We were just going to point out who is, like, going to be at the tables downstairs. So this is Tad. <laughs> Tad is in charge of, or is a lead for our Levites. Levites is a, a, a tribe in the Old Testament. Their main duty was to like build up the church. And so we call our team that does set up and tear down the Levites. And so there are people who've been here for five years who didn't know that. So if you're, you're not the only one if you didn't know that. Um, <laughs> you know, churches put weird biblical names to things and people just go with it. Um, Sandra, is Sandra in here? She is not. 
Uh, okay, well, Sandra is in charge of our hospitality, and she's going to be downstairs. Yes, we love Sandra. We love all of our hospitality people. We love food, right? I love food. Um, we also have our greeting and event um, planning committees. So we have a greeting team, and then we also have the event planning. That will be me at um, a table just like this downstairs. We also have Kirsten. She's probably down checking in kids at kids. Um, she, if you have kids and you've checked them in, you've probably seen her or met her. Um, and then we have Jesse. Jesse back there, he's going to be at the table for Disco Youth. So if you have questions and want to know how to um, serve our youth, there's a lot of different ways to do that. And then we have Brad and Carl. So we got Brad up here and Carl back there. They're going to be... <laughs> Carl's also the one who plays violin up here. Um, they're going to be downstairs to talk about um, opportunities to serve on the worship or with audio and visual. Finally, we have... Oh, not finally. We have live stream team. We've got Mike. Mike is way up there. He's a Kristen Lumsden's husband. He's pretty tall, and he's going to be down there to help you connect uh, with the live stream team. And then finally, last but not least, we have Lucy. I know she's, where is she? Lucy, she's right there. Lucy is like one of the most amazing little ladies that just runs around. She's shorter than me, which I didn't know was possible. She runs around praying all morning with people, and she's going to be at our prayer table downstairs um, to help you find ways to get connected to our prayer team. Um, so you can either go down to the tables and talk to them. You can use the connection card. There's no wrong way to connect. Just let us know, and we will plug you in. Um, also, because Kristen, our admin, is amazing, she found some colorful ways to, uh, to label whether, whether a, a position is, like, kind of hands-on, like very active, those will be yellow. Um, and then there's also some um, jobs that are very person-to-person. -person. So if you're a person, people person, you're going to look for blue jobs um, and, and so on. There's just different colors for different. I think there was a slide that was going to say what they were. Um, but anyway, you can completely ignore the colors. But there are basically, there are also colors for like, I'm a very behind-the-scenes person. I don't want to have to talk to a soul. We love you, too. We want you. There are jobs for you where you can serve and never talk to a single person. <laughs> um, so there's just there's a place for you. Whether you love, you're an extrovert, you're an introvert, you want to serve 15 minutes, you want to serve every weekend, there's, there's a place for you. So um, I need to hurry up and get off the stage. So. Uh, we just want you to know that uh, we want to help you go wherever God is leading you and help you get plugged in however he is calling you. Um, in just a few minutes, we're going to finish worshiping. We are today, what to expect for the rest of our service, especially if you're new and you're like, what did I walk into? We're going to get back to worship, <laughs> and then John's going to come up here. He's going to lead us in a sermon uh, or give us another message. Today is the fifth week of the unfinished work. Um, then we'll worship some more through giving back to God, turning in our connection cards. Um, we'll sing a little bit more, maybe, if we have time, and then I will come up here and dismiss us. So with that, let's get back to worship. You guys can all stand up. Wants something new, so I. 
You're the fire in the morning. You're the cool in the evening. The breath in my soul. The life in my bones. There is no hesitation in your love and affection. It's the sweetest of all. Lord, I know my heart. So I surrender all. All I want is to live within Your love, be undone by who You are. My desire. My heart to you. I open up my heart to you. 
You're the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. That means that before time began, somehow on the heart of the Father was this person with these hands. He knew where I'd walk. He knew where I would stumble. He knew where I would soar and where I'd run. You knew where I'd run to and where I'd run from. You knew everything about me. And before time began, you had this incredible plan to buy me back. And you did, Father, by sending your son, your beloved son, your only son, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And even if the rocks are silent, I will declare that you are incredible, good. I will declare that you are God, that you are worthy above all things to be praised. You deserve my attention, my heart, my mind, my energy. And with everything in me, by the power of God, I pray that every day from here on out is for you and your glory. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Please be seated. There is none greater than the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you didn't say amen, that's okay. I can be honorary because I can also tell you that here's what, here's what Scripture says. It gives us a peek into, into the future, and it says, it says whether you want to amen to it or not, it says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And um, I'm not, I can say that with like, oh! It's good, but I can also say that with, like, he gets it. He also gets the struggle, man. He gets why it's a hard thing for you right now. He gets that you got some hurt, some disappointment, some things that are confusing, and those things are okay. It's part of the journey, and I just hope that there'll be a day that you will watch him carry you through the disappointment and the hurt and the questions, and that you come out the other side, and you, you will cry out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I hope that you taste it and see it and experience it. So, Anyway, thanks for being here today. Ed. We, we warmed it up for you. So I was worried you guys would be tight this morning. I said, hey, get it hot in here. I want people, I want people to really get warmed up. So, so some of you are a little bit charismatic and Pentecostal. You need to become Lutheran and Baptist right now. Okay, just settle. Just chill out, okay? It's the only way to stay cool, okay? So deal? All right. So, hey, we tried. We've done our best. We've opened up every door we possibly can. So, um, but uh, anyway, it's warm. So just, we'll just enjoy it for a few minutes, and then you can get in your car, okay, and turn the air on, all right? So anyway, thanks for being here. This is a great day. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love fall, and I know this, this room doesn't feel like fall, but man, it feels like fall, and I love fall. Fall to me is a new beginning. It's a fresh start. Some of you have been my friends a long time. You know that's how I look at the fall. I look at, like, I love the fresh start. There's something, it was just ingrained in me with all the years of school and then my kids going to school. There's just something about getting a new backpack and new shoes and a new little, you know, box with your crayons in it that just like, it's, it's going to be new. We get to start all over. And so that's, it's just ingrained in me. I love the fall. So we're talking today about new and we're talking about the future and I just, I want you to know, uh, if, you, if you don't remember anything else, I want you to know that God is doing something good. He is, 
He is good, and he is always good. He's doing a good thing right now. He's doing a good thing in our generation. He's doing a good thing in, his, in, in our state. I, listen, I, I know some, nobody's amen and, amening at all. Like, I, it's been a hard season, and I know there's all these, this negativity, and you're like, ah, and you know, there's, the, the other side of me is winning, right? whatever your side is. It's, the other side is winning. But I want you to know that Jesus is winning. And that God is winning, and he's working a good thing. If God wasn't working anything good, I promise you, you would not have woke up this morning. He would have already come, and he would have taken you to heaven, and it would all be done, okay? We'd be looking at it in history books in heaven, okay? But he is still doing something good in our generation. This city, this high school, this church, and in your life, and in your family, he's doing something good, amen? And I hope this morning that this morning is part of you shifting and seeing that. That's... That's my hope. So we've been in this series. We're going to wrap it up. Today's it. It's the end of a summer series. It's called The Unfinished Work. It's our very last bit of Luke chapter 9. If you have a Bible, find Luke 9. We've saved verse 62 for this day. Okay? So I'm going to give you a little bit of a warm-up. Some of you have not been with us or you missed a couple weeks. I'm just going to kind of bring a little warm-up so we're all on the same page. Um, we've been walking slowly through Luke chapter 9. We're getting ready to jump in Luke 10. By the way, next week is a new series. It's going to be called Contagious. We're going to talk about how to have a contagious life, heart, and church. I'm kind of excited. We're going to talk about, some of you have been seeing these posters up here, and you're like, what do these things mean? We're going to talk over the next few weeks what these things mean, what they're about, and what we are about as a church. Why this church is necessary in this city right now. We're going to spend a few weeks talking about it. I'm pumped. And then we're going to talk, by the way, a few weeks from that, we're going to talk about um, coming home. It's going to be a great series if you've got a friend that just feels far away. Um, it's going to be a series all out of the Lord's Prayer. I think the Lord's Prayer is an invitation to come home. And so we're going to spend a few weeks talking about how to come home. And then a good news, November, um, I, don't, I don't know if you want to do a whole schedule for the year, but here's the, uh, this last one I'll stop with. Is in November, we're going to talk about how to get along when you can't. So there may be some people you invite to that, all right? So we, honestly, guys, this is a, this is, we got good stuff. And then, and then getting in part of, like, Donna was talking about being on a team. I just want to say, like, nothing is crashing and burning here. And we are not in crisis mode. And if you don't sign up, the world is not going to collapse. But here's what I want you to know. God is doing something good. And I want you to have an opportunity to be a part of some of the good work that God's doing. And these are just little steps. Like, everything we do is not about the hour and 15 minutes. <clears throat> We're going to be doing a lot in our city. In fact, this, this week was pretty cool. We had men yesterday. Tad was a little bit of the ringleader, but wasn't able to be there. We had men that gathered together and did this project at a, at a gentleman's house in the neighborhood. It's not somebody in our church. It's somebody in the neighborhood. They went, and they just... They dug, and they loaded trailers, and, and Joe, it was Joe's neighbor, and Joe was, was ringleader number two. So um, anyway, it was so good to watch some people just invest, some men just invest their life. And then earlier this week, we had some ladies that came, and in this building on, on Wednesday, just loved on all the teachers. We provided meals for every one of the teachers here, and so it was an extension of you. So whether you know it or not, you're a part of it because you helped fund it. So uh, they, they love non-teachers. This church is stepping into the new mission that God has for us. And so 
Anyway, I've almost preached the whole sermon, haven't even started. <laughs> Man, good stuff. All right, let's, let's get warmed up. Okay, <clears throat> so Luke 9.62. So last week was sort of part one. I introduced to you this concept called fire. I said to you that um, all of us want a fire, okay? We want fruit increasing, relationship expanding, walk with God. So that's fire to me is this acronym, and this is what we, we all long to, like fruit increasing. We want to look down our hands, and we want to be like, man, the stuff I do all day long matters, like, I, I don't know anybody that doesn't, that doesn't want things to matter. I talked to a young man yesterday, and uh, he's got a new job, and I said, how do you like it? He said, I hate it. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm doing, um, he didn't call it yard work, but landscaping. I'm doing landscaping. And I said, well, that, that sounds kind of cool. He says, it's dumb. Everything's dead. There's no purpose in it. And it was, it was weird. He's got this new job. He's making cash. Somebody's putting dollars in his pocket, and he hates it because, as you know and I know, everything in Tacoma is dead. And that's why I haven't mowed my yard, all right? I got dandelions everywhere, but I'm like, I don't want, do I want to run the lawnmower over dead grass? It would look so stupid. Like, we really all are like that young man, right? We want, doesn't matter how much money somebody gives us, we want to know that there's something happening with our day and our hours and our time, right? We want that. Second, and probably more important, is that we want our relationship expanding walk with God. Even if you're desperately far from God, there's some, some part of you that's like, something's missing. And we all want it. And maybe, maybe no, no longer do you want like this bonfire, but you, you want to have this warm glow. We all want it. And the problem is, is that we want it and can't find it. Amen? Or even worse is that we find it and lose it. Anybody? We had it once. Man, when we were 25, we were killing it. When we were 45 and we were in that one church with that one preacher, man, it was so good, right? But now I, what happened, you know? Um, so... That we, we, we struggle with this, right? And so last week we talked about that it's, it's not a lack of desire or want. It's that there are some giants in our lives that we have to recognize. And we kind of walk through them. I talked about inflation last week. Remember Matt? So everybody say hi to Matt. Matt's, a, Matt's an econ professor at the University of Washington. So uh, he loves it when we pull in some econ stuff and just drop stuff. So um, yeah, so we, we talked about the rising cost of following Jesus we talked, uh, one of the other giants is that we have worldviews that we want God to conform to. Anybody? Amen? And then last we talked about, we called it last kiss. That some of us, we nurture um, radioactive material in our life. Sins, uh, temptations that we know it needs to leave, but we just keep it. We're just not quite ready to do it. So we talked about last week these giants, but today we're going to talk about the giant of all giants. And Luke positions it as the last verse in the chapter. Now, that's probably not completely fair because when Luke writes the gospel, he doesn't think about pages or chapters or verses. He's just telling the story of Jesus. And, but I want you to see that verse 62 is a transition because here's a little insight into next week. Next week, we're going to be chapter 10. And in chapter 10, uh, let's just read verse 1. Verse 1 says this. After this, okay, so Luke's transitioning. He says, after all these things that uh, we just read about, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So he's going to talk about Luke 10 about these others 
who are going to go and be on fire. And he just got done talking about three people who represent men and women who want the fire but never get it. And right in between those three people and these 72 others is this, we'll call it the continental divide. Verse 62, let's read it together. It's short, but it's very, very important. Verse 62, Jesus says, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I want you to read it with me one more time. Ready? Jesus says, No one, nobody, who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Would you watch this? Everybody say hi to Nathaniel, by the way. Anybody see this? Did you guys see this last year? This is Tacoma, people. This is our town. This is our Highway 16. And by the way, our Sprague exit, my exit. Well, did you catch what he was doing? He was trying to drive down the freeway backwards. It doesn't work, my friends. Right? Why was he driving? That's a good question. If you want, you can look up and watch the whole story later. But uh, I got another story I want to share. So, but, um, so here's one of the challenges, and so I'm going to look right at you for a minute and say one of the simple challenges that we need to remember in life is we cannot move forward while looking back. Everybody write that down. It's true on Highway 16 in Sprague. It is true in everything in life, and Jesus says it is absolutely, absolutely true when it comes to our walk with Jesus. No one is fit for the kingdom, for kingdom work. If you put your hand to the plow and you're looking back. Now, that sounds simple, but the problem is, the problem is, is that back is really, really attractive. Amen? And it's got this special power. Yesterday has a special power. One of the special powers of yesterday is what I call nostalgia. Everybody say nostalgia. You know what nostalgia is? Man, it was that sweet Christmas in 2014. Nostalgia is that favorite song from 2011. Nostalgia is last week on Monday when we had that lasagna. You know, it's those sweet moments from yesterday that we like to go back. We pull up on our phone. We want to share again. Facebook reminds you of. That Instagram reminds you of. Your friends remind you of. It's, it's looking back and there's something so sweet. Yesterday is powerful not just because it's so sweet, but because it's also deeply familiar. And uh, not all of yesterday was sweet, amen? But you know what yesterday was? Familiar. Like it might have been hard, but at least I knew how to do it. What I don't know how to do is the risk of tomorrow, amen? Like tomorrow can seem really risky, but yesterday with all of its good and with all of bad, at least I knew how to do it, so I would just prefer to stay in what I know rather than stepping into the unknown, amen? And one of the other mean and powerful things about yesterday is not the like hard times, but the crash and burn moments. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You have a moment in your life that you just, you can't help but replay over and over and over again. You think to yourself, what if, 
I wish I would have. I wish they wouldn't have. And my whole life would have been different. And it, it just doesn't matter how many days go between that event and this. You still want to go back and redo it. You still can't forgive yourself. You still can't forgive them. You can't let it go. And it just eats and eats and eats away. Yesterday is so incredibly powerful and is destroying the fire in our life. And it's not just because it's, it's bad. It's because when we get stuck in yesterday, watch this, we stand in direct defiance of God himself. Because when you and I stay stuck in yesterday, we are number one saying, God, I do not trust in your promises of a good tomorrow. Secondly, I am saying, God, I do not trust your character, that you have the ability to carry me tomorrow, let alone today like you did yesterday. You know what I'm saying? When, when you allow fear of tomorrow to stir up, all you're saying to God is, God, I don't believe you. And bigger than all of that, when you and I forgive, for, refuse to forgive and refuse to allow God to heal us, we are rejecting the work of the cross. We are overtly saying, God, I do not believe in your healing, your forgiveness, or your call for me to live that way as well. I want you to know when we get stuck in yesterday, we are standing in direct defiance of the Father. God is moving forward, and he's calling you to move forward with him. I want you to write that down. Some of you aren't writing. And it's so important. Right now, if you hear nothing else, God is calling for you to be forward-facing in your walk with him. If you want a fire, if you want fruit increasing in your life, and your relationship with God expanding, you and I need to become forward-facing people. Amen? It's killing the fire. Now, I'm going to be real honest. It is not enough for the preacher to say it's bad to look backwards. Okay? It's, it's sort of like somebody saying, hey, you just need to forget. You know what happens every time somebody tells me, John, you need to forget? I remember. I get annoyed too, but what, but what, what do I do? Someone say it. You remember. You get it? It's impossible. When someone says, hey, John, you need to forget that, I'm like, forget? Oh, yeah, I remember that. I almost forgot it. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> you know, I almost let that go. But it's like, you, you, it's, an, it's an impossibility to intentionally forget. I'm, this won't be a sermon on forgiveness, but by the way, it's one of the reasons we say forgiveness is different than forgetting, right? It's a completely different exercise. Forgiveness is not forgetting. You cannot forget some things but you can move forward. Here's some things that God has called you and I to do as Jesus people to be forward-facing. Number one, you need to know the destination. I want you to write this down. This is how we become forward-facing. You have to know the destination. When I say the word know, I don't mean just articulate, I understand this. I mean know in the biblical sense. You know, like Adam knew Eve, okay? This, this intimacy, when I say you need to know the destination, I mean you need to fall in love with the destination. I am so intrigued at how much people can get done, how much they can endure, how much joy that they can have in the midst of difficult circumstances when they know and have fallen in love with the destination. I, I, I think about, I think I told you guys about this a few years ago. We had a mason jar on our piano. And I'll tell you about the mason jar. Um, it was uh, just leading up to Christmas, and my wife comes into the kitchen, and she finds our puppy laying on the kitchen floor, and our puppy had died. 
And as you can imagine, it was a hard couple of weeks leading up to Christmas, and it was, it was heartbreaking. We were, the whole family was grieving. And then weeks and weeks uh, down the road, eventually the kids start forward-facing. I love about kids. Kids can do that faster than adults, amen? And so I don't remember which kid came, but one of the kids came up to me and pulled on my shirt and said, Dad, can we have a puppy? I'm like, I don't know if I want a puppy again. Don't say puppy around me right now. And then eventually another kid says, Dad, can we have a puppy? And then eventually they all gang up, you know, one at a time. And I got four of them saying they want a puppy again. And I'm like, okay, okay, fine, family meeting. You guys ever do family meetings? So we have, we have notorious, I mean, wonderful family meetings. I invited all of them to the living room. I said, okay, the word on the street is that you are ready for a puppy. Ground rules. And so, you know, I went through a few things. Number one was I was not going to be the only one picking up the yeah, okay, so I'm done with that. You guys have to have some responsibility. Like, yes, yes, you're going to have to feed and take care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we start going on list, and I said, and at last, it's going to cost some money. And in case you haven't figured it out, we don't have any. And they're like, how much? I said, well, it depends. And so, um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start researching together the kind of puppy, and we're going to talk about it. And so we started researching, and we started zeroing in on the destination. And we started getting pictures of the kind of puppy. We wanted a yellow lab. We got pictures, and then we started researching about yellow labs, learned everything we could about yellow labs. And then we, uh, and then we started researching breeders and started finding out how much it was going to cost, and we were going to need a lot more money than we had. And I told the kids, and it was, a big, it was a big number. And you know what? They started dropping money in that mason jar, pennies, dimes, nickels. We'd sit there, right there. Right, it was right where we'd eat. Every night we'd see it. We'd sometimes pray for the puppy, and they drop in nickels and quarters, and they started dropping in paper money, too, like dollars and five dollars. A $20 dropped in there once. They filled up $700 my four little kids collected for a puppy. They had this destination in mind. It was so clear. It was so rich. We went and looked at the puppy. They named the puppy. We came back a few weeks, and they grabbed it. It was theirs. They had it all because they kept this destination so clear. They knew the destination. You need to know the destination. What is the destination of the Christian life? And if you don't know the answer, that's one of the reasons why you're struggling with fire. You know, I'm, I'm being serious, okay? I'm not just being a preacher. Right now, if you, if you can't write it down, this is one of the reasons why you're struggling with fire. You know, a lot of people think the destination of the Christian life is becoming more moral, less bad more kind, less mean. It's not the destination. Some people think the destination of the Christian life is uh, church participation. It's not it. Changing the way you vote, changing the way you behave, it's not the destination. Some people even think that the destination is prayer. That's not the destination. Some people even think, Alicia, that it's heaven, And the destination of the Christian life, oddly enough, is not even heaven. Paul writes about it in Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to write it down. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, he says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul says the absolute destination, the goal, the destination is Jesus Christ. 
knowing him. I love it. I, I, I say it to you all the time. Gen, John chapter 17, verse 3. This is life. This is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The destination of the Christian life is Jesus, Jesus alone. And not just knowing that, like, oh, well, that's a neat little nugget, but falling in love with Jesus. Look at this in, in Philippians chapter 3. I want you to listen. Maybe even close your eyes while I read it. Just let it sink in. Paul writes this. He says, what is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I, in fact, consider all things garbage that I may gain Christ and I may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis on the basis of faith I want to know Christ yes to know the power of his resurrection and participate even in his sufferings becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead Not that I have already obtained it. Not that I have already arrived at my goal. But here's what I do. I press on to the destination. I press on because I want to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind, and I strain toward the goal what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Do you know the destination? Have you pasted it on the refrigerator? Is it in front of you? Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you so badly. I want to know even the sharing of your sufferings. I want to become like you, even if that means becoming like you in death. I want to know you. It's so clear to me what my life is to be about. I love in, um, in, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus is really moments from the cross, his last moments with his disciples. And as guys feel it, have you ever just felt like something bad is happening? You don't know what it is, but you're like, something bad's going down. You know? Like you get a text that says, can we talk? <laughs> have a minute? No. Anybody? You ever get like, you're just like, you, you just... All your spidey senses are going off. So in John chapter 14, the disciples cannot put their finger exactly on it. They don't know exactly the events that are going to take place. They don't know the events of the crucifixion and the resurrection. They just know something bad is going down. They feel it. They smell it. They're super nervous. And in John chapter 14, Jesus looks in the eyes of his disciples and he says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Do you see what he's doing here? He's getting them to think about the future. He's trying to change the way. They're, they're, they're looking back here, and they're looking here. They're looking at the pain, the distractions, the fear. It's just, 
It's just rising up around him. And Jesus says, I want you to think about the destination. Okay, so while he's doing this, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then he says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Now, by the way, one of my favorite disciples is Thomas. What's his full name? Or The one we gave him? I love doubting Thomas. Jesus has just been like, hey, I want you to think about the future where I'm going. And <clears throat> Jesus, Thomas says in verse 5, we have no clue what you're talking about. We don't know the way. We don't know where you're going, and we don't know the way to get there. How can we know the way? Now watch. What, yeah, he's being honest. And then watch in verse 6. Jesus looks at him, and he says this. Not here are the directions. Not here are the three points. I am the way truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he says, if you really know me, you hear him refocusing? Do you know the destiny? Do you not just know it like a Sunday school answer. Is it etched in your heart that it's all about knowing Jesus? This is the destination. Are you do you know this? If you really know me, then you would know my Father as well. And from now on, you actually do know him and you have seen him. So number one, if you want to be forward-facing, you have to renew. Renew this focus and clarity about the destination. And I, I just cannot be more clear this morning. The destination of the Christian life is not becoming more moral, ethical, kinder, more generous, praying more, worshiping harder. It's not even heaven. The destination of the Christian life is Jesus himself. Number two, I call this make travel plans. Because as you know, it's not enough to just have the dream, right? It's not enough just to have the picture on the refrigerator. You got to have a plan. Any planners out there want to say amen? Some of you are nudging your, your spouse that's the dreamer. You're like, see, I told you, he's going to get to me, right? You, you have to have the plan. And I, that's true about a new puppy. It's true about, like, if, if you this morning said, I'm going to run a marathon, it would not be enough that you want it and that tomorrow morning you're like, dude, I'm going to do it, 26.2 miles, right? You're not, it's not going to happen, right? You're going to need a plan. You're going to say, I want to run a marathon and it's going to happen sometime at the end of 2024 because it's going to take a year. And tomorrow morning, you're going to put on your sneakers. And you're going to have so much excitement. You're going to run out your door, right? And you're going to get to the end of the block. And you're going to think, this is never going to happen. But if you have a strategy and a plan, you know what's going to happen? On Tuesday, you're going to get up. And you're going to put your sneakers on with a little less enthusiasm, but you're going to go out the door, and you're going to run two blocks. And then the next day, you're going to run three blocks. And you're going to get up earlier than everybody else. And before you could shake the sleep off, you're going to be jogging down the street. You're going to encounter difficulties, but you're going to get faster, and you're going to run farther. You're going to get injuries. It's going to slow you down, but you're going to address them, and you're going to work it over and over and over again because you have a strategy. And listen, friends, I do not know why, 
we try to have this vibrant relationship with God with zero strategy. You have to have a strategy and a plan to grow closer with Jesus. Amen? I'm going to read, this is from the book of Ephesians. I'm going to read out the message. I love this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says, be prepared. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll be on your feet. Amen? Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Watch this. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. So pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. I love that. I don't know. Was it the message up here? Oh, good. Write that down. Find it. Tear it out of a Bible. Tape it somewhere where you see it because you need a strategy and plan. Amen? You want to fire, don't you? So have a clear, focused dream and then have a strategy. Number three, recognize that there are risks. You have some things. Because of your incredible personality, because of the way that you're wired, because of some of the unique hurts and pains that you've experienced, you have some risks. For some of you, it's a circumstance or a situation, it's a a word or a series of words that immediately sends you back into yesterday. You go back and you repeat some of those old words that you used to say about yourself or was said over you unfairly and unrighteously by somebody else. You're tempted to go back to some old habits, old places, old people, old drinks. There's some things that are unique to your situation. And I just want to say to you, friend, you must be aware of them. You must not pretend that they're gone. And it's not a sign that you are uniquely and specially broken that you still wrestle with them. If you have an addiction, God may leave the limp so that you bring glory to Jesus the rest of your life. He may choose to do that in your life. I wish the addiction was just taken away from you. But God may choose to leave it in your life so it points to the glory of Jesus and the work of God in your life. It's not a sign that you're uniquely broken. But it's a sign that you need to be aware. Like when I'm driving my car, I I really try to not look this way the whole way. But I am aware Like in my neighborhood, we have all these, you guys have them? Unmarked intersections. Because I live there, I know that. I know the other people, they don't know that. So they come barreling through, and I can't talk right now, but. Okay. So what do I do is I, I don't focus on that, but I am aware. Sometimes I pump the brakes. Sometimes I take a detour. But I keep moving ahead. But you must know the risks. You have risks. But it is not the end of the world. Amen? Let me go and fourth and last one. i got to go there really quickly. Number four. Bring a friend. I'm going to go back to Luke 10.1. And again, we're going to be in here next week. But 
Luke is introducing us to people that have fire, and he says, after this, the, the, after this, he appointed 72 others. These are the other kind of people, the men and the women who have fire, and he sent them, not by themselves, but he sent them, do you see it up there on the screen? Everybody together sent them what? He sent them two by two. He sent them together. They brought a friend. I have a good friend of mine. Just moved across the United States. Got himself a U-Haul. Packed it. Got a trailer for his car. Pulled the car behind the U-Haul. He's got these great pictures. 3,500 miles. One thing he needed before he sent out. He needed a friend. He invited a bunch of people. He finally found a friend. It was hard. It was hard to find a friend who would say, sure, I want to ride in a U-Haul for six days. I would love that. Yes, I'll take my vacation time and do that. But he looked and looked and looked and found one. It wasn't easy because the schedule didn't align. So the friend would have to miss the first day and have to fly somewhere in the middle of the United States. I think it was Cleveland. He was going to land in Cleveland. And so he had to slow down his trip, take a detour to go to the airport to find this friend so he could have a friend the rest of the way. But he did it because he needed a friend for the journey. And listen, you need a friend in the journey. Two by two. I like this in Ecclesiastes chapter four. It says two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have good return for the labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has nobody to help them up. Oh, man. Here's the good news. You're going to fall on your face. Did you know that? Write that down in your notes. There... That's not a surprise. Peter, Peter writes this in First Peter. Uh, it won't be up here on the screen, but first, uh, Peter writes this. He says, uh, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeals that you face. They come. You're going to fall on your face. We can deal with it. The unfortunate part is that too many people fall on their face and they have nobody to lift them up. That's why I'll be real honest. Um, if you want to fire, if you want to fire, you need a church. And I don't just mean on Sundays you, you come and get a little injection. I mean you need a, a family of people. You have somebody that you can call up and have coffee with and say, hey, I had the best week of my life. And I got to tell somebody you have anybody like that? Do you have anybody in your circle where you can say, listen, I, I'm really struggling. I got some terrible news from the doctor. My kids are struggling. My marriage is faltering. You need a friend. And I really want to encourage you. You've got a lot of important things on your plate. And it may require a little bit of a detour to Cleveland. Pull over and find a friend, but then do it. Jump in. Everybody falls. Pity the one who has no one to lift them up. God is doing something really good right now. 
And the good work that he's doing is he's stirring and stoking fires in the lives of regular people like us right here. We're just regular people. But he is stoking a fire. He's, he wants to bear fruit through your life. You didn't choose him. He chose you and he appointed you to go and bear fruit. Do you know that? And he wants to know you. You wake up in the morning and say, God, I don't know what's in front of me today except how cool it is that a guy like me, a lady like me, can walk with you. Thank you. And at night, you can collapse. All the emails have subsided, you know, all the wants and cravings of people have gone to sleep, and you can put your little head down on your pillow and you can smile and say, God, it was so good to walk it out with you today. I hope you give me another one tomorrow. But make clear the destination. It's Jesus. Run to him. Have a plan. Stoke that thing. I love that that message says that the, the word of God, there is no tool more powerful and vibrant than his word in your life. Stay at it. Find a friend. And be ready. Be ready. Not just for the bad stuff, but for a good, good God to work something good in your life. Amen? I want to pray for a couple of moments. Um, Barb, are you here? Barb and Tad, would you guys be available? for? If, if you want to pray with somebody just for a moment, I'm going to invite you to come and pray with them. Let's all just bow. Father, I hope today that you have stirred certainly a, a, a forward focus for us. We've been through, I, I think in our culture and around the world, we've been through a really challenging couple of years and I don't know if compared to the rest of history that these years have been more challenging than others, but I do see it in us that so many of us are stuck. We're laboring, and I'm praying that you would stir this sleepy lion at your church to rise from its distractions and its discouragement. And that you'd, that you'd waken your your lion, this church, and then we would move with fervor and confidence into the future. I mean, if these are the last days, may we burn so brilliantly bright in these last days. But Father, more than just having us forward-facing, I'm, I'm praying in this room that maybe for a man, for a woman, that you awakened clarity that this walk, this Christian life, this thing that they're pursuing and not sure exactly what it is, that today it became crystal clear that it is all about you, Jesus. And, and I, ask, I ask Jesus that you would do a miracle, that today there's a, there's a man, there's a woman who says, I, I get that, 
and I'm renewing my commitment to you, Jesus. In fact, if you want to pray it with me right now, if you're ready, if you are ready and you're like, man, that helped me. I've been so confused. I want you to pray with me something like this. Jesus, you are everything. Today, I'm committing the rest of my life to you, and I'm asking that you empower me to live every breath from here on out for you and for you alone. I trust you with the pain and unknown of yesterday, and I trust you with the risk and the unknown of tomorrow. I place everything in your hands, Jesus. your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Was that good? I worried this morning as I was getting ready because I'm like, I'm a little bit more excited than I should be. Like, I was so excited about this. I was like, sometimes I get excited. Things come across pretty jumbly, but I, I hope this morning that I hope Jesus has just been seen. He loves you so much. Amen? We're going to pass some baskets. We're going to start on my right and move to my left. And if you want to jump in and serve and you've got that little card in there and you already know, I want you to drop that in there. If this is your first time with us, I want you to drop a connection card in there. Um, you're going to see some of our regulars that they will, uh, they're not going to do it uh, loud or obtrusively or anything, but they'll give money in there. But if you're a guest with us, um, please don't put any money in that basket. Uh, once this becomes home, then you can jump in with living generously like we do. But right now, um, just drop in that connection card. As soon as the baskets go by, we want you to stand with us. We're going to sing um, real briefly. I told the worship team I may go a little bit long, I said, but... Uh, um, I want to sing this closing song, and as soon as the song is over, here's what we'd like for you to do. We'd like for you to go down and get a cup of coffee, and Donna's going to be down there, and Tad and other people we talked about, they're going to be down there. If you would like to just talk with a human being about how to get plugged in and serve, hang out, grab a cup of coffee. If you don't want to talk to anybody, grab the cup of coffee and just make your way through the crowd, and uh, we'll be okay with it, sort of. Okay. So... Thank you so much for sharing your Sunday morning with us. God bless. Let's sing.
We are so thankful that you guys came to join us. We're going to go ahead and dismiss you now. Maybe if you guys want to keep doing that song, you can stay and sing if you want. But the rest of you are dismissed. Um, and please come check us out downstairs at the ministry fair. And also, if you're not ready to stop worshiping, join us Friday night at Resurrection Church for our final worship and prayer night as we close our 120 days of prayer. And on that note, let's worship and leave and have a great week.